0: It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt a and Kyler. With Welcome another back week to reflection another episode of Georgia Bulldogs of the Dogs on Top, Even an on Life Bottom decisions. podcast. As always, my co pilot, Casey Kyler Carr, strapped in, ready to take this thing light speed and that's how it felt finally on saturday night the bulldogs cleared for takeoff and dominant victory over the kentucky wildcats felt like we had something to prove and prove we did kyler how'd you feel about the win
1: man it's hard not to come away from that you know thinking that the dogs are back uh we've started this, uh, this season out with kind of a you know, a slower start by, um, by the standard that's been set here at Georgia, but really felt like uh, when the lights came on and you know, big time game atmosphere that the dogs really showed up and you know reminded the nation why we're the two-time defending national champions and that was a great thing to see there. Uh, seeing Carson Beck continue to progress as a quarterback and have more confidence back there in the pocket and trusting his guys, getting more familiar with his wide receivers. It's a thing of beauty, but uh, hats off to, you know, Georgia, this coaching staff, the players for taking care of business on Saturday. I think that Saturday really set the tone for this team heading into the rest of the season. And I think that dog fans have a lot to look forward to. Uh, the rest of the year with how how we're playing right now.
0: Yeah, Kyler, we all knew it was there. I think that there's a reason why we're ranked number one, even if we didn't show it to this point, um, at least before the Kentucky game. and. That's because everybody knew that that this team had the ability to turn it on at some point. Everybody was kind of waiting for it. And I think had they gone by a few more weeks, we probably weren't going to maintain that number one ranking as long as some of these other teams continue to impress in the way that they have. With that said, we probably will not be number one at the end of the month whenever the college football playoff comes out. And I think that's really due to the strength of our schedule. Uh, as things get crazier and I'm going to talk about some crazy possible scenarios, it may get a lot different, but at least right now, um, it's good to see that this team is finally back on track, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think there was a lot of clamoring, a lot of talking heads, if you will, kind of talking trash about this offense. A lot of usual suspects, honestly, coming out who – I feel like I've always been more negative to Georgia and don't want to consider all the great that Bobo did. Just want to think about the bad that he did. And I don't know. I mean, I think back to the Bobo times quite fondly. Think about the offenses that we produced after he left for a few years and they didn't come close to sniffing Bobo and what he had. And now we got a taste of monkin and all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, Bobo, you know, kind of turning our noses up to him. But I think he's a great offensive coordinator. And I really think he kind of showed that um, with how he started out with the pass game. We really have not been effective at running between the tackles early in games. And so we just went away from it. And I think it allowed us to open up the run game uh, 173 yards Um in the run. And I do wonder, as, as I look into kind of where we're at more, um, seeing a guy like Ra-Ra Thomas emerge with five catches, 63 yards. Uh, he's a guy who really wasn't all that involved in the off- offense early on in the season, slowly has taken on more snaps. And so, it, we're also getting back a more plethora of receivers. Labaconki McConkie really didn't do much in the game, but of course we know what he can do. I mean, he caught one pass um, and, and did some great blocking, but overall I'm just saying as far as production-wise, didn't do that much. Um, but I think that as we start to grow more players, it just shows how dynamic we can be on offense. And a lot of credit, though, is due to Bobo and his offensive scheming. Uh, and and I think it improves with every game, but I don't know. What are what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Mike J- Bobo did a terrific job um, on stat Saturday, uh, scheming up a, a great game plan to attack this Kentucky defense. Um, a lot of pre-snap motion that was kind of throwing off, throwing off the Kentucky defense. Uh, not knowing who was responsible for who—that's a problem when you have a guy like Brock Bowers as the guy you don't know whether he's my guy to cover or not, because before you know it, he's past you and uh, open. And, you know, we all know what he can do after the catch. So um, I really liked how how Bobo did a lot of different things to try to scheme him open. Uh, We also um, took advantage of the play action pretty well this game in some of these short yardage situations. I felt like Kentucky was selling out for the run. So we really were fortunate to uh, um, have them bite up like that and be able to hit our tight ends. Oscar Delp um, got in on the action, had, had several um, catches as well, called a touchdown pass. So the tight ends are, are definitely getting involved in this offense. Like you mentioned, uh, seeing Ra Ra Thomas and what he was able to do, um, yeah, spectacular catch there uh, by the pylon um, to get a touchdown. I know that they called it uh, incomplete originally, um, saying that they didn't think he a, got a foot down. But um, these were the kind of grabs that Rara was making um, at Mississippi State last year all the time. So it's great to see him get back to that that sort of form that he had there where he was their leading receiver. Um, I thought that Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton both had, had pretty good games as well. It's great to see Kendall. definitely the the healthiest I've seen him look all year. So excited to have him. Back to full strength, hoping he can stay healthy. Uh, hopefully we can get back uh, a guy like Roderick Robinson, who contributed a little bit earlier in the year. I think that would be be huge as well. Um, really liked our offensive line and um, the ground game. Um, really specifically, uh, I think our guards and our center, the interior of our offensive line, are incredible right now. Um, they made a lot of great blocks, uh, were driving their feet down the field, really were just relentless uh, in the run game when we needed them. We needed those big yards. Um, no, no real explosive plays out of the, the run game, but I felt like we did an outstanding job between the tackles, um, something that we really failed to do in, in past games. And so I thought that was a big step for, for the offensive line to, to have some success up the gut. Hopefully that bodes well for the future because that will open up even more stuff down the field for Brock and hopefully a guy like Arian Smith. We got to, we got to get him away from the drops. I know that, um, definitely tough to see a guy that's, you know, finally getting his shot, um, with this offense and, and, you know, has a few letdowns, a few drops like that. So hopefully he can, you know, uh, bounce back from, uh, you know, a not so good game uh, against Kentucky and really show out against Vanderbilt next week, um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, I don't think it was as good as the statistics show. Um, I think there is a good bit to be worried about there. I think that we're definitely lucky to have uh, Devin Leary playing quarterback for Kentucky last week. He was very inaccurate, had lots of open receivers and completely missed them. So I feel like we, we, we kind of lucked out on, on that side of the ball. But that's not to say that there were not great individual efforts out there. I thought Jermon Dumas-Johnson really stepped up to the plate, had some really big plays, um, was living in the backfield, made big plays, um, you know, against their rushing offense as well, um, shooting back there, making some tackles. So it's was glad to see him, uh, you know, make some good plays out there. After you know, we've kind of been saying that he's having somewhat of a down year uh, compared to last year, but uh, I knew he's always had it in him. He, he's got that dog in him. He's got that that uh, you know, Baltimore toughness or whatever you want to call it about him. And so uh, I'm glad to have him on our squad. Uh, I feel like we did a decent job of, of containing Ray Davis. Uh, I know Ray's had yeah, a terrific year. We saw what he did against uh, a team like Florida um, a couple weeks ago, but uh, yeah, to hold him under a hundred, I think that's a solid job um, by our defense, but uh, overall though, I, I'm pleased with with how we played. I, I really like, you know, obviously what Carson Beck is doing back there and it's not all just, you know, targeting Brock. I mean, he, he's distributing the ball. I thought Marcus Rosemi jackson also stepped up, had a, had a really big game. Um, he's always, you know, a force blocking, but he really got to, got to shine on Saturday, uh, catching some really good balls out there. So, um, but overall, you know, we always love a win. We love a dominant win like that. And so I'm pleased with how the dogs played. I thought that we got better this game. There's still stuff that, that we can correct and get better. But, um, you know, I know that our, our team will, you know, be peaking at the right time. Yeah, these are all learning lessons um, towards making us great when it matters. So, those are kind of my thoughts on on uh, on dogs and how we play. But what were your thoughts on the defense? I know you kind of talked a little bit about the offense, but just kind of wanted to get here a little bit. You know how Matt Kerr um, felt that the defense did on on Saturday.
0: Well, you may mention. I think as as with everything, and I. We've said this multiple times it's never as good as you think it is it's never as bad as you think it is Um, and so as much as I talk and heap praise on the offense for being really good I tend to agree with you from a defensive perspective that it looked really good and if you look on paper wow they held Kentucky who ran all over Florida to I believe less than 100 rushing yards and as well we able to hold them to 13 points. That's fantastic. That's a top 20 team. But you pull back the hood a little bit and watch highlights and you start to see a few things. First off, Kentucky shot themselves in the foot in a way that I cannot, I, I haven't seen a team shoot themselves in the foot uh, against Georgia in quite some time. And I, you know, obviously we've had dominant victories, obviously I think back to Oregon last year, I think back to TCU last year, but that was really in both those games, they made miscues, they had mistakes, but that was honestly us just exerting our will. And in particular, I feel like on the defensive side of the ball, and we got things clicking early on offense and it cascaded down. In this game, they twice on offense had opportunities, their first two drives to honestly they were driving down the field and it felt like uh oh they're gonna score on us in both situations and they had boneheaded personal foul penalties to back them up 15 yards Uh, and so they're down 14 nothing can't cash in on either drive where they made good yardage and then on our third drive when they finally stop us there's another personal foul penalty and so we continue the drive we go up 21 7 and the rest is kind of history. They all of a sudden could not play the game of let's run down their throat with Ray Davis. You have to play, oh, we got to catch up. And that involves the pass game. And so um Devin Leary, you mentioned, was not accurate. And so when they had to switch to that, which was to our advantage, uh, Devin Leary missed some wide-open guys. He had opportunities. Also in that, I believe it was the first drive, I mean, he missed a guy – who really could have just walked into the end zone and missed him by a good, I don't know, five feet. Uh, it, it was not a good performance by him. And I will say, so, so seeing that means, Hey, other teams I'm thinking about like Alabama, maybe even possibly a team like Old Miss, uh, Missouri might be able to take advantage of that in uh, Tennessee, even although Joe Milton hasn't shown accuracy uh, to the level, you know, but but the bottom line is all those teams have the ability to take, the, to take advantage. We all know that they have deep threats. We all know that they do have quarterbacks that when given time or just in the right situation can be very accurate. It might not be in every type of situation for Milton, but you give him enough opportunities, he will hit you, and he will, you know, make you pay. So I would like to see us just – Tighten it up, honestly, and I do think that we were able to get to the quarterback. Some that is a a bright note for the team. Uh, I do think that yeah, we brought pressure. We were able to get into their backfield, um, so that's great. But it, you know, hopefully it's not at the sake of leaving wide open wide receivers because as I say, we're gonna run into some teams, Michigan. Even maybe in Ohio State, who will make us pay, and maybe not Ohio State's the right answer, but uh Florida State, there's any number of teams out there who can beat you deep if you allow it, and so, uh, yeah, I do think in some ways, we got lucky uh in just the way that this game progressed, and fifty one thirteen you don't get there without being kind of dominant and dominant we were on offense, but yeah, that defensive stat is a little bit misleading. So, I I agree. I think that we got to continue to improve. Um hopefully Vandy might be the elixir we need. Hopefully we just have a absolutely dominant defensive performance against Vanderbilt and um you know, able to rest starters early and, and can come away with a win quickly uh and and you know, also hopefully the the backups, you know, come through too cuz I also think that um you know, we need to continue growing depth. This team is not as deep as, as we have been in the past. And so I also think that might be leading to some of our defensive um, lapses is that we were just able to interchange so many guys the past couple of years. Uh, our bench, as I say, it's just not quite as deep. Um, that doesn't mean we don't have really talented players, but um, getting the maturation of some of those guys is going to be important if we're going to win a national championship. Yeah,
1: I think that you're totally right. I mean, definitely needed to start to develop more more depth.
0: Um,
1: you know, kind of, kind of across the board. Honestly, um, I know that we're we're getting some on offense, no, not because we necessarily planned it out that way, but injuries have, have really affected us on on that side of the ball, uh, forcing us to play a lot of different offensive linemen, running backs. Um, you know, wide receivers as well. They've been uh, hit by the, the injury bug as well. So uh, we're developing it on that side of the ball, but on the on defense, um, you know, we're, we're getting some plays where we're getting in some of these younger guys, but um, it, you know, there's not really many that are consistently playing with uh, you know, what I would consider our starters, like maybe CJ Allen um, is the only real young newcomer that that I can think of that's Really got significant snaps on the defensive side of the ball, so I want to see. You know, this is a great recruiting class on the defensive side of the ball, so I want to see more of these guys step up. Um, you know, when they do get their shot against against Vanderbilt, make plays and uh, earn the trust of this coaching staff, so that they can get into these big time games down the stretch because we know we're going to need them at some point.
0: Now, I will make this one point, Kyler. I know we harp on the defense, but it also is a we we're holding them kind of like we've talked about in the past. We're holding this Georgia team to pass teams. So on some level it's, it is a little bit um, unfair to the team, the current team, because you look at the numbers and and this is over six games and we're right there, you know, in the, basically, I believe we're in like the top 15 in total defense and rushing defense and passing defense and in points. Uh, so we're right there. The difference is, is that when you look at the top, top, top defenses, I do think that there the gap grows. And so, hey, we're are us having a really good uh, defense is is still there. Uh, but the difference between having a really, really good defense and a great defense, yeah, we're not quite there. And I do think that that our defense, at least to this point, has carried us to titles. Now, there are times that our offense has to come up in big places, but I still think we want to be predicated on the defense. With that said, I think that's why the offense is doing what they're doing right now. I think they realize that schematically they just need to change ever so slightly. We're not changing that much, but I do think we're going to be throwing early and often in every game we play from here on out just because – that's going to open up the run, the run game, and uh, while our run game might not be as potent as it has been the last few years, it's serviceable. And hey, if Kendall Milton gets healthy, I I do think that he and Dejan Edwards could be a real dynamic um, one-two punch by the end of the year. But it really is predicated on him being fully healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's kind of battled the the injury bug you know, year in and year out. Uh, and so for him to have, you know, a, a strong second half of the season, I know it means the world to him. And um, he's a guy that's trying to, you know, boost his draft stock and and really show out this year. So I'm hoping that he can stay healthy. Uh, Andrew Paul, uh, looks like he's starting to get in a little bit more, um, you know, coming off that ACL injury from last year. I think that he's another guy that can contribute, and catch out of the backfield do some good things for this offense as well. And then, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Roderick Robinson, a uh, 240 pound guy that could move uh, at the running back position. So the, the talent is there. We just got to get these guys healthy, keep them healthy and uh, see what they can do.
0: And as we all know, it really does. It's building to game 15. And so hopefully we get, you know, Morris Mims back before the end of the season and that just bolsters our offensive line, and I think on the defensive side, I don't think it's injuries. As you said, it's not injuries that are that are killing us. It's really the maturation. We need some guys from this great class, from the class before it as well, to step up, and yes, there have been a few, but, but we need more, and so uh, as it goes along, hopefully we get that and start to see that out of a few guys, and I'll say in previous years, we definitely have seen the same. I don't believe Michael Williams was just an absolute force to just begin the year. I think maybe he made more noise than uh, current freshman now, but he definitely was a much improved player at the end of the year than what he started the year. And so it's it's not like, oh, man, we're, we're in tough position. This is not going to happen. I, I do think it's going to happen. It's just maybe not happening as fast as some of us would like it to.
1: Yeah, but I think in due time that, that we're going to be fine. Um, I mean, we are starting to get to see, you know, some of the Raylan Wilsons, uh, you know, out there rotating in, Gabe Gabe Harris, um, all guys who I think can can have, you know, significant roles on this defense. Um, you know, SEC championship time, uh, you know, into the playoffs. So, um, you know, just hoping those guys can, can get their reps in these games. This is where those guys truly develop and get true game time against another opponent. So, Um, Hoping that, hoping that Vanderbilt, you know, provides us that opportunity to to see some of these young guys and um, let them get to work.
0: Well, we'll talk about Vanderbilt in just a little bit, Kyler. But any final thoughts from the Kentucky game? Uh, We're going to move on to something else.
1: Yeah, just want to kind of you know, uh, I don't feel like we didn't spend enough time really on on Carson and just you know the outstanding job that he did. Um, I think he's one of five players to throw for. Three hundred something yards and, and and I think it was three touchdowns in the first half. Um, just an incredible display. Really, just hope it's not a, a Grayson Lambert two type performance where it goes out and and pretends to be all world um, for one game and then um, yeah takes a back seat the rest of the the season. So, but I, I don't think that's the case. with a guy like um, with like Carson Beck, uh, guy really has ice in his veins, He's not afraid of the moment, and it's just getting more and more comfortable. So I really am excited about, you know, the progression that we see from him week to week, really feel like he has the potential to be the best quarterback in the SEC this year. Um, you know, most folks are, are talking about Jaden Daniels of, of LSU, who is very good in his own right, does more with his legs than Carson, but really love the accuracy that I see out of Out of Carson back and his ability to to process what what the defense is showing him and and go to the right uh, receiver.
0: Yeah, Tyler, he's been nothing less than phenomenal. I think for the majority of the season, and I even said to you, it's like it's nice that he can take a shot. And that last interception that he had, Um, it's nice that he came back and I believe scored a touchdown right after that. But it's also good that you know he's able to to kind of push the limits in situations like that. Uh, I think back to how Stetson kind of came under fire. And I feel like he was in much more precarious situations in particular, that game in 2020 at Alabama, that was just not great. And um, yeah, so he pushed it to the limit and really put us in a bad situation. Uh, Carson Beck, just given the schedule and his dominance, Uh, was able to, you know, is able to kind of learn and, and I think have that time to mature and also having that time to mature behind Stetson. I think all of it is kind of coming together and we're seeing really just an incredible uh, show on the field. And I was curious at the beginning of the season, all right, is he going to have the moxie? Is he kind of going to have the nerves? Is he going to be able to kind of match that from Stetson? We knew he had the talent and, I think he's pretty emphatically answered the yes. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, you just look at the way he played at Auburn. Obviously, we were down against South Carolina, and on top of being steady, composed, making the right reads, making the throws. I mean, the numbers back it up too. He's like eighth in the country, maybe even higher, and in total yards. And so, yeah, we're just going to continue seeing it and. I know he's not being mentioned currently for the Heisman, and I know Brock Bowers is kind of the guy, and rightfully so. I mean, he's the best player, at least uh, best tight end in the country, and the best tight end maybe we've seen in a long time. I think you mentioned maybe Kyle Pitts was the last one this dominant. But it's like, yeah, you have this guy uh, in, in Carson Beck that if we keep stacking wins and he keeps you know playing and balling out and Caleb Williams makes a boneheaded decision or some or two, which he's not totally, you know, like d- d- remiss from doing. I mean, he almost threw a pick six at the end of the Arizona game. We can get into that in a minute, but yeah, it's it's a possibility that Carson Beck ends up winning the Heisman folks. That's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think especially if he starts stacking touchdowns, um, that's maybe the one place that he's kind of behind folks, but we get it down short and we like running the ball in. What what can we say? But uh, bottom line is, yeah, he's terrific. He's fantastic. And I think that if nothing else, we, it's very possible he's the second bulldog in two years to end up in New York.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um, You know, I think both of those two guys that that you mentioned are are deserving of, um, all the accolades that come their way, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, if this trajectory continues, um, yeah, you know, there's no, you know, there's no reason that we can't have that discussion about having you know potentially two dogs, uh, you know, up there in New York representing their team. So that'd be awesome to see, but I doubt that. I doubt they go with uh, two of them. You know, uh, I feel like, I feel like Brock's getting some legit, um, you know, press right now. Around his abilities, Um, people are, you know, finally starting to take notice. Not sure, you know, why folks, you know, had never heard of him before. Um, Not saying everybody, but I mean, I've literally had conversations with people this year. Not not dog fans, but people are like, "Oh, is this guy pretty good?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's the best tight end to ever play football. Like, yeah, he's good. I can't believe you don't even know about him." But yeah, there there were people out there that who hadn't heard of him, but I think I think now he's he's starting to become that that household name
0: that that he's well deserving of. You know, Kyler, it just makes me think of the song. If you don't know me by now, you will never, ever, 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 ever know. I mean, the bottom line is if you don't know Brock by now, like you're never gonna know this guy. I mean, this guy's been the most dominant tight end basically since he stepped foot in Athens and not just the Georgia Bulldogs are going for back-to-back national championships, but Brock Bowers is going for a back-to-back-to-back national championship. So, I mean, the only thing that guy's known is titles, and he's a big reason why we've won the two titles that we've won. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the bandwagon is long gone if, if you're just arriving, but – But thanks. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. We do appreciate it. Uh, Wow. All right. Uh, Let's let's talk about this week, this past week, but let's do it from the lens of of insanity, Kyler. Uh, This last week had some crazy, crazy outcomes. Oklahoma beating Texas. I think that surprised a, a lot of people. Notre Dame going down to Louisville. Just Yeah, and it seems like anything is possible, honestly, and it also feels like the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams, at least of the good teams, is tighter than it's been in a long time. And I know we talked off air about the fact that it's just a bummer in the fact that we aren't going to be able to see a 12-team playoff this year because – I feel like, especially the early rounds, we could get some incredible games. And, I mean, even even the team Georgia, I mean, we've seen, we've been in tight games. We've been good contests. Obviously, we blew out Kentucky this weekend, but there's no reason to think that we're not going to be in tighter contests with the better teams, uh, at least at this point. Hopefully, uh, we continue showing out and that changes. But with that said, I started bringing up schedules of different teams and started looking at things. And Kyler, I think we could end up with like 22 lost teams. Now that may be an exaggeration, but like 15, two lost teams. So we're going to fold in this last weekend's games kind of into our discussion, but I'm going to go through the conferences. I'm going to lay out a scenario and I just want you to tell me like i how crazy I am, how likely you think this could happen. And yeah, because I do think it is fun to kind of lay this out for our listeners and say, like, listen, these games, it's razor thin. And when you look at it and the way that the schedule lays out, it's not like everybody is meeting everybody. Honestly, the the biggest place where that's happening is in the SEC because of divisions. But in places like the ACC, I mean, where they're divisionless, as well as the Big 12, the big um and the Pac-12, a lot of these teams are only seeing two or three good teams. So, all right, let's get into it. I'm going to lay this out for you. You ready to you ready to do this thing? I think so, man. Let's do it. All right, insanity. All right. So, we're going to start with the ACC. Tell me about the scenario, and, and you can also interchange it. You can tell me, no, I think it's going to be this, or no, you're crazy. This team's going to go undefeated. All right. There's an, there's a scenario where adding Notre Dame in, just because they play a lot of, of the ACC teams, Notre Dame beats USC and Clemson. They win out. They go 10-2. Clemson beats UNC but loses to Notre Dame and Miami 8-4. and four. UNC and the, and so Clemson four and two UNC is six and zero oh, and I'll say everybody's saying well what about the other teams that they're playing I'm only picking the top teams this in this dream scenario in this weird scenario we're gonna say any team that's three and three that doesn't have two that it has more than two losses right now will not beat a team with two losses because I do think that there actually is a pretty significant gap between the okay teams and the good teams. I think we got a ton of good teams, not maybe any excellent teams this year, but all right. UNC, they beat Miami. They lose to Duke and Clemson. That's going to give them a record if they win out the other games of 10 and two. Duke they beat Louisville. They beat UNC on their schedule, but then they lose at Florida State. That's going to give them a record of 10 and 2. FSU, they beat Duke, but then they lose to Miami and they lose to Florida. What do you know? They have a 10 and 2 record. Miami loses at UNC this weekend, but beats Florida State and Louisville. They're 10 and 2, which I must say, Miami, maybe the worst coaching decision I've ever seen not to kneel the ball. They should be undefeated right now. I know it's the talk of the town, but I just have to add that in that I really I cannot think of a worse coaching decision in my lifetime. Um, so you know, the bottom line is in this scenario, they really should be 11 and one, but hey, tough breaks. Then Louisville, they lose to Duke and they lose to Miami, but they beat Kentucky at the end of the year. they go 10 and two. Kyler, what say you about this? I mean, how likely do you think it is? And you can interchange this stuff because, as I said, like as I broke this down, they all kind of play each other in any kind of assortment in three, three times. So you could say Notre Dame loses to Clemson and Clemson actually beats Miami, and Miami's the team that ends up as nine and three and Clemson's 10 and two. So uh, the bottom line is. I mean, do you think that there will be insanity in the ACC, or is there a clear favorite? Is there a clear team who's going to emerge, and is everybody going to beat up on each other? And, you know, are we not going to see uh, a pack of 10-2 and two teams?
1: Yeah, I don't think that we're going to see the, the insanity that, you know, has the potential of happening here. Um, and kind of how, how you laid it out, um, you know, you would have Duke and, and Florida State. Um, as the top two teams, um, because Duke has, would have a loss to Notre Dame, which is a non-conference loss, right? So this is all about earning, you know, a right to the, to the ACC championship. And then you got Florida state as well, who would have, uh, just one loss in the, it would just have one loss in the ACC. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's divisions or what in the ACC, but you know, those would be the two top teams. Um,
0: you know, is, is or
1: do they have divisions in the ACC?
0: They don't anymore. No.
1: Okay, so those would be the top two teams, though they would have both only have one loss in that scenario, um, and so I, I honestly, I would have Florida State winning that one. Um, but see, I think that dude loses a lot with um, their quarterback going down. I think he's a great team leader and all of that. So I don't see Duke necessarily out there, you know, beating the likes of, of UNC. Maybe a Louisville, because I, you know, I'm still not completely sold on them yet. I think that, you know, obviously great game against uh, Notre Dame, but that's a that's a night game, uh, home game. So I mean, I know they had the the wind the wind in their wings, so to speak, um, against Notre Dame this weekend, and it was a great game. But you know, for me in the ACC, what I really see standing out. Um, is Florida State and UNC. I think that those are the two teams that end up uh, running away with it, right? Uh, I think that – do those two teams actually play each other, Matt?
0: They do not play each other, so that would be a scenario where they would be meeting possibly as undefeated in in a Charlotte in your neck of the woods. Now, Kyler, I mean, with that said, do you think they both run the table now – as I say, FSU's biggest games are Duke, Miami, and Florida, and UNC's got Miami, Duke, and Clemson. I mean, there are some other landmines. I know NC State is definitely on that schedule for UNC, and that's not – I mean, MJ Morris could be the guy that they've all been looking for. But, I mean, do you see both of those teams coming in undefeated, and what's the likelihood that – that they are undefeated. And with that said, I guess then that would be like the other scenario would be chaos reign. So um, even if one of them comes in with one loss.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do see that, that scenario taking place, right. I've got UNC and Florida state winning out. If they're not playing each other, I think that they're both, um, you know, really good teams. Um, and so I do see them playing each other in um, that ACC championship is undefeated. Now, I think that where you get a little bit of uh, chaos is if UNC, um, UNC beats Florida State. Um, I mean, you've got two really good ACC teams that arguably are deserving of a spot um, in the playoffs. Um, Florida State you know, has the, the good out-of-conference wins against uh, two SEC opponents in that scenario, Florida and uh, LSU. So, um, that's just something to kind of, kind of, kind of mull around there. But, you know, other teams that I think have a, have a shot at it, um, are going to be, you know, a team like Miami, if they can, if they can correct, you know, whatever poor clock management coaching. Yeah. One of the, I mean, that's just pure negligence. That's gross negligence is what we would have called that in the insurance business. Um, the, the coaching of Mario Cristobal on Saturday. I'm glad that you mentioned it has to be talked about. Those kind of faux pas on the field just are not going to slip by the D-O-T-E-O-B podcast. We're, 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 we're going to, we're going to harp on it. We're going to let you know what you did wrong. So, um, yeah, get better Cristobal, but you do have the full season ahead of you. You've got UNC, you've got Florida state and Louisville all on your schedule. And those are all, uh, they're all winnable games. I do think that UNC and Florida State are better than them, but I think that they can, they can, they can also run the table uh, from here on out and, and put themselves in a position to to be in that ACC championship as well. Um, Louisville, I do think that they end up dropping a game um, or two, but you know, you never know. I mean, this might be the special Louisville team. You know, it might be a big year for them to, you know, take down uh, that that ACC championship. I know that they've been won. They've had a lot of Great individual players over the years, but just haven't seemed to have that that team that that's very dominant. So, if they continue the way that they're playing, um, you know that they'll also be deserving, you know, of a of a berth to the playoffs if, if they can run the table themselves. So, we'll see what they what they do. But, you know, I, I personally think, you know, my my initial thoughts are UNC and Florida State are, are both really good. I mean, Florida State, uh, very experienced quarterback, a uh, couple stud running backs. The receivers have really stepped up this year, very physical defense, lots of playmakers on that Florida State team. Uh, see them playing great ball the, the rest of the year. I know they have had a few scares here and there, but, um, but yeah, Florida State I think is is going to be able to, to make it to the ACC championship. And then, you know, I really can't talk enough about, um, about UNC. I've been really impressed here lately. I think that they are just so much more improved on defense, and I hate to admit that. Living in a city like Charlotte, I don't want my neighbors here to to think that they are anywhere near on the same you know level as a, as the Georgia Bulldog team. I just you know you're a basketball school, get out of here. But anyway, um, you know I do see UNC. Um, I really like this McCollum kid. I, I, I totally recognize that this is the kid that went absolutely off in the Colorado spring game um, this spring and ended up transferring out immediately after. Um, he's got really good quarterback there in Drake May, and with their, their defense that is much improved, I mean, they, this is a, a serious team. Um, and so, you know, w- without having Florida State on their schedule, um, yeah, things look pretty good for, for UNC to, to make it this year to that ACC championship for an electric game um, against Florida State, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's the defense, Kyler, for me with UNC. They just they, – they really – feel it feels like they finally have turned a bit of a corner. And with that offense, you just needed a serviceable defense. You don't need, like, the most incredible defense in the world. And they are being just that and better. And that, to me, makes UNC an incredibly dangerous team. Um, they've had an offense for a while, and Drake May is going to be a you know going to be a guy who probably plays on Sundays. So uh, they've got it going on offense and have had it going. But if they can if they can just avoid inexplicable loss, which I feel like has been UNC's kind of mo the last few years, really since Mac Brown took over, they've been good, but just never can get over the hump. With that said feel like they typically take a loss early in the season. So I don't know the last time that they are five or six and oh, it has to be, has to be some time for UNC. So um, they're, they're there and their schedule is manageable. Uh, Miami at home this weekend and a big one. Uh, but, you know, we talked, we didn't say it, but Syracuse an absolutely dominating performance against to that point at one loss Syracuse team, 40 to seven, Uh, They get Virginia, who's not been good, at Georgia Tech. That's a very winnable game. Campbell, Duke, who you said might be without their QB. Uh, Riley Leonard, Clemson, at Clemson, at NC State. I mean, it's definitely not the easiest schedule, certainly a a winnable schedule. The other thing I want to bring up, Kyler, is the other crazy scenario, because you talked about Louisville I mean, Louisville plays at Pitt, then they get uh, by, then Duke. Uh, and it's much more likely that Riley Leonard will not be healthy for that game. Uh, and then Virginia Tech at home, Virginia at home, at Miami versus Kentucky. They're not playing either UNC or uh, Florida State. And this is like the other side of going divisionless. Yeah, you get a little bit more of an equal, um, maybe an equal spreading of the, of the, of the schedule so you're seeing more teams more often it's more fun for fans and as well maybe your schedule is not so brutal if you're in the sec west for instance certain years where there have been five of the seven teams ranked on the flip side i mean there's a also a scenario here where you have an undefeated louisville an undefeated UNC and an undefeated Florida state. I mean, what do you do? You, you just, I guess the lowest ranked team, which most likely would be Louisville I'd assume would be left out. But honestly it kind of sucks because let's say there's like six undefeated teams at the or like three under or yeah, six undefeated or five undefeated teams at the end of the season. And or, you know, even two or three. I mean, there I, I think there is a scenario where the ACC championship could possibly hurt a team. And, you know, on the flip side, you have like an 11-1 Louisville just sitting there. Now, maybe Louisville's schedule isn't difficult enough that they could get in. But uh, that also, you know, needs to get talked about a little bit more because I do think that um, – if Louisville can manage these next few weeks, I mean, we're going to come down to the wire and that ending at Miami and then Kentucky at home isn't easy, but it's also very manageable.
1: Yeah. I mean, they definitely have one of the more um, manageable schedules um, remaining in the ACC and the fact that they're sitting there undefeated, you know, they definitely deserve the, um, at least the talk of, you know, being a potential, you know, suitor there for, for the playoffs. Um, If they can close out the, um, season strong with, uh, with the ACC championship. Um, I mean, that would just be absolutely nuts, but if they, if they drop a single game, Matt, um, I think that really, whether that's, uh, in the ACC championship, whether that's, uh, you know, during the regular season, I think that's going to completely ruin a uh, shot at the, at the championship. Um, but, um, hats off to that coaching staff for, for put, getting them in this position, um, in the first place. And, you know, no one thought at the beginning of the year that we'd have be having this kind of conversation, you know, six weeks into the season, um, about Louisville as a you know serious contender for for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I I think that they've won ugly, but they've won, and now they're getting momentum. I mean, the win against Notre Dame was really impressive uh, this past weekend, and so sometimes it's it's that TCU kind of vibes where. They they didn't win pretty necessarily, but they, they're kind of finding their footing. It's uh a, a early coach, first-year coach, and who knows? Maybe is Louisville this year's TCU. We'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, and I will say, last thing I'll say on the ACC, and then we're going to move to the Big 12. Um, if there is a team, let's say that things get crazy, if there's a team with two losses that might sneak their way into the college football playoff don't look now at the clemson tigers kyler the clemson tigers uh and and the real reason i say that is right now their losses are at duke pretty ugly first game of the season and then verse florida state 31 24 in overtime but now they they get a week off and then they have to go to miami they play at nc state then they get notre dame at home They play Georgia Tech, they play North Carolina, they play South Carolina. Let's say chaos reigns. They get to see Florida State again in the uh, conference championship. They beat Florida State or, you know, maybe even a Louisville team with one loss. Their strength of schedule, if they're able to win out, and I do think that this Clemson team – it's they're not bad although they didn't play well this past weekend against Wake Forest but i do it, against Syracuse they look really good now who knows Syracuse may just not be very good maybe we're kind of overrating both Clemson and UNC but bottom line is there's a lot of opportunities with Miami Notre Dame UNC still on the schedule and in a possible championship game that they might be able to back in don't look now i don't think that's going to happen but Uh, In the chaos scenario, if Clemson kind of emerges from the rubble, they really do have a strong schedule to be saying, hey, we should be there. We lost early. We figured it out. And, you know, especially if they're rolling at the end of the season. All right, let's move to the Big 12. Kyler going to once again present the chaos scenario we got Oklahoma sitting there at 6-0, massive victory over Texas. But they lose to Kansas and BYU That puts them at 10-2. And, hey, high altitude, you never know. BYU is a tough place to go in and win. West Virginia, they're 4-1, but they lose to Oklahoma and BYU to go 9-3. Now, you could reverse that. BYU I just talked about, they beat Oklahoma, they beat west virginia but they lose to texas they're at four and one right now they win the rest of their games that makes them 10 and 2 hey reverse that game byu loses to west virginia all of a sudden west Virginia's 10 and 2 byu 9 and 3 texas beats byu loses to kansas state they're 10 and 2 kansas beats oklahoma loses to kansas state 10 and 2 with winning the rest of their games And then Kansas State beating Texas and Kansas. They sit at 3-2, but they move up to 10-2 if they win the rest of their games. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'll go ahead and say I think this is probably one of the more least likely scenarios. Uh, I I truly believe Oklahoma had one of the most impressive performances of the year in their win over Texas. And I also think Texas is really, really good. I don't know how good West Virginia – BYU, Kansas, or Kansas State are. Kansas State had an embarrassing loss. One of the worst losses, I feel like, of the season to a kind of hapless Oklahoma State team that hadn't shown much all year. And it just, uh, yeah. So I I don't think it necessarily is going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe you see things differently. Uh, Do you think that there could be a scenario where we end up with five ten and two teams in the in the big 12 or do you think it's going to be a rematch oklahoma texas in dallas
1: yeah i'm I'm leaning towards the rematch Uh, i still think that you know oklahoma texas those are you know hands down the two best teams in the big 12 incredible performance by dylan gabriel but if you contain dylan gabriel they are beatable this oklahoma team um you know, i I'm not completely sold on, on on this entire team yet. Um, I know they beat Texas, but yeah, there were two pretty inopportune um interceptions from Quinn Ewers that, that really, you know, put the game in their hands. They also had a chance to to strike late in the game, fourth and goal and, and just didn't get it. So I mean we could easily be talking about how Texas is the greatest right now as well. Uh but it's always a crazy game. Um was you know, terrific, another terrific one, probably the best one I've seen since uh, Caleb Williams came into the game and and took over for Spencer Rattler and and willed them to victory. But um, this is a, this is a great, um, you know, scenario though. I do like, you know, kind of looking at um, all of this in this way, but it's just hard for me to, um, you know, say that, Hey, you know, Kansas state team has a chance of beating Texas after kind of what we saw last week against Oklahoma state. It's kind of, Made me lose a little bit of faith in, in that team, and you know, it doesn't help you know the the Missouri loss either. Um, you know, still trying to get a better gauge for how good that Missouri team is, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But um, you know, I think out of these teams though, that like maybe BYU, you know, um, you know has has a shot to. I think it's a good football team. They've beaten an Arkansas team, or did they
0: beat Arkansas? They did beat Arkansas, indeed.
1: Yeah, yeah beat Arkansas. I can't remember who their one loss was to, but, you know, maybe this is that, that year they make that splash um, in the in the Big 12 and can overcome, you know, uh, you know, some of these, you know, perennial powerhouses in the Big 12. But for me, you know, I I honestly just – I think Texas is, is really, really good. Um, I think that they're a better team than Oklahoma, personally. I just think that's a crazy rivalry game. Things didn't really go there well. A couple of inopportune um, turnovers there, and, and that just leaves you with Oklahoma as, as the winner. So, I mean, I, I, I don't see I don't see any teams being better than those two um, right now. But that you know, this is college football. Week in, week out, we we have so many unpredictable outcomes, and so I, I, I do like kind of looking at these scenarios early because you know th- th- these could happen. Um, you know very easily could happen because uh college football is that kind of crazy. The the parody is there this year to um have just you know insane endings. But you know for me from what I've seen out of both of those two teams, um I I, I can't, you know, give the nod to to any of the other teams in the Big Twelve to you know have a shot uh to, to play in the championship.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to uh agree that Texas might be the more talented team, uh, and it might be a scenario where just on that day, Oklahoma was the better team, but when they rematch, Texas kind of exerts their, their dominance over Oklahoma, um, because you're right, they, you know, Oklahoma stalled out actually in the second half for, for a while until that magical final drive, but they 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 held when they needed to, as you said. You know, four downs basically at the goal line. They held, they held Texas, and hey, Nate came up with big interceptions on Quinn Ewers. Yes, might have been poorly passed balls, but somebody's got to do it. And in Oklahoma, I guess rose to the occasion, which makes me feel like they're going to be a tough out. Um, but I do think that if they were to meet again probably Texas uh, is going to hold the advantage, probably be favored again in that game. Um, If there is one team that kind of spoils, because I think that West Virginia plays hard, but they're not a very good team. And uh, while they're four and one, I think eight and four is probably realistic for them. Maybe even, uh, you know, seven and five, uh, especially it could get ugly. We'll just see. We'll see how, how things unfold, but hey, you just keep winning, and that's what they're doing. Uh, BYU, it's tough because they play Oklahoma and Texas. And if we're saying that Oklahoma and Texas are that much better, then they're they're probably not going to have an opportunity to kind of get back there or at least lose to one of those teams, and they already have a loss. I think that it's going to be a scenario where most likely there's going to be one team that's undefeated in and, and Oklahoma and one team with one loss, whether that's Texas or uh, someone else, or maybe Oklahoma has one loss, but probably two teams with one loss, one team with two losses. Maybe, maybe the scenario where you have three teams with one loss. And what I would say is the most likely scenario for that to happen, Kyler, is I look at Texas, or not Texas, excuse me, Kansas actually. Kansas doesn't have to play Texas anymore. Obviously, lost that game, but. Uh, they they play Oklahoma and they have an opportunity maybe to to knock off Oklahoma and um, and then knock off Kansas State as well. So I think that that is probably if there is a spoiler, probably the most likely, just due to a team who I think could pull it off, which I just don't see West Virginia having the having the guns to beat Oklahoma, and then also a team who doesn't have to play both Oklahoma. And Texas, and that's that's Kansas. So, um, yeah, I don't see that happening. I do see it being a Texas Oklahoma final, and it may be that both those teams end up in the playoff. I know we've talked about a scenario where there's two Big Ten teams to, um, you know, in it along with an ACC or a, you know, I I just it's that, and that's the other thing is like it may be one of these years too where. You, you have certain teams that uh, like you have an FSU who ends up unscathed and then you have a Oklahoma with one loss and a Texas with one loss, but Oklahoma beat Texas. And it's, you know, you got to get both of those teams in and then the Pac-12 might have a team with two losses represented, but really like the Pac-12 is such a gauntlet that's probably the place where the most scenario. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that I like looking at it from this scenario because it is saying like, Hey, what's the likelihood that we end up in a, in a place where there's a ton of 10 and two teams and you start to look at it. And as I say, I think the good teams versus the okay teams is pretty separate this year, but so you have like 40 good teams, 30 good teams.
1: But um, Hey, I, I like what you're saying uh, around Kansas, like, so in my eyes, uh, you know, I do see Texas winning out, uh, but I do see a potential for, you know, if Jalen Daniels is healthy for that Oklahoma game, potentially uh, that, that's upset alert right there. And so then you have three one-loss teams in the Big 12, right? Uh, who, did, uh, who did Kansas lose to, Matt? Texas. So if they lost to Texas, right, so you've got Oklahoma beat Texas, Kansas beats Oklahoma, and you have, you know, the classic holy trinity of three teams uh, beating one another, Um, you know, you're probably going to have to go with the top-ranked team. And, you know, does that go, you know, it's probably Texas or Oklahoma as to, you know, who would actually be there. But, you know, it definitely makes for, uh, you know, interesting discussion that I think could be there um, at the end of the year. And it's, you know, unfortunate that, you know, the the blue bloods of, of college football kind of they tend to get that those higher rankings um than you know a team like Kansas. But um definitely not not out of the the question for, for them to beat an Oklahoma team with uh with a healthy Jalen Daniels at quarterback. Um they can be pretty electric on the offensive side of the ball um uh, when he's playing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that it's uh it's the by far the most likely scenario. And once again I mean, it's kind of similar to that log jam at the top with Louisville, FSU, and UNC. I mean, if those three teams end up undefeated also, like if you have three teams with one loss, it, it might be more beneficial to be one of those teams just on the outside looking in, kind of as we saw with Alabama. And so uh, that's one thing to kind of keep an eye on as well is like what team gets kind of screwed over from possibly playing in the championship game. Uh and and I do see a scenario where a team maybe gets passed up uh, due to a loss in a championship this year. Because once again, I think there's that it's that close, y'all. It's that close. But all right, Kyler, moving right along in this doomsday insanity scenario, moving to the Big Ten. I'm going to be honest. Maybe it's a little bit more far fetched. We've got seven teams in the mix. That possibly could go ten and two. Uh, I've got six teams in this crazy scenario at ten and two. One team at eight and four. I'm going to run through it, and once again, we'll play that same type of thing where you tell me how likely this possibility is, uh, and what what you really see from the second half of the Big Ten schedule. All right. First, we got Michigan six and zero. I've got them beating Ohio State, but losing to Penn State and Maryland 10 and 2. Ohio State, they beat Penn State and they beat Wisconsin, but they lose at Michigan and they have a surprise upset against Rutgers as well, 10 and 2. Penn State beats Michigan and Maryland, but loses at OSU and at Rutgers, 10 and 2. Maryland beats Michigan and Rutgers, loses at Penn State, 10-2. and two. <laughs> Rutgers, who has the most insane thing, they beat Ohio State and Penn State, but they lose at Iowa and Maryland, 8-4. Wisconsin beats Iowa, loses to Ohio State, 10-2. Iowa beats Rutgers, loses to Wisconsin, 10-2. All right. What is the likelihood that you think we might end up with a logjam six 10 and two teams in the Big Ten?
1: It's very, very unlikely um, with just how top heavy uh, the the Big Ten is this year. Um, But I do see, you know, a a scenario here where, you know, we've got three one loss teams, um, you know, on the side of the division that's so strong with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Um, I, I really like Penn State this year and, and honestly think that they might be able to skate through this thing undefeated. If not them, it's, you know, Michigan would be the team that goes undefeated. But um, that possibility of chaos having three um, teams there is, is very likely. And if you're in that scenario um, with, with three one loss teams, in, in my eyes, I mean, I think that they give it to Michigan. Um, but it all just kind of depends on how things shake out. Recency biases, I think, you know, um, could play a, a difference in what that ranking is um, as well. And so, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, all of that, you know, if let's say whoever loses the Michigan-Ohio State game, I think that could really hurt them at the very end of the season and their chances to, you know, be ranked higher than the other two. Um, it probably wouldn't be ranked ahead of Michigan. and it just depends on how the, the Michigan-Penn State game um, kind of plays out. But... Um, on the other side of the Big Ten, um, yeah, I think this really comes down to, to Wisconsin and Iowa, um, and what happens in their game, because um, the winner of that I think is going to, you know, play whoever you know, um, comes out of the comes out on top of the three uh, teams on, on the other side of the division with Penn State, um, Michigan, and, and Ohio State.
0: Yeah, Kyler, I tend to agree. I think that it really is going to be a Michigan's. Ohio state and Penn state battle. I mean, who knows? Maryland might be able to upset either Michigan or Penn state. I do think that they're, they're a better team, but once again, we didn't see them play any, we didn't see them play all that impressively against Ohio state this weekend. So they might be more of a a paper tiger. Uh, and yeah, I think that Penn state right now, uh, kind of is creeping up, but the one team that I'm not sold on to this point is Ohio State, quite frankly. I think they look inconsistent at times, and yeah, I think that Penn State and Michigan with their defenses really might be able to um, to to put the clamps down on that Ohio State offense, and then on the flip side, put up enough points to at least get by them, but I think Ohio State has room to grow, so it's they're only 5-0. and oh. There's still seven games on the schedule, and I think they could be a very, very dangerous team at the end of the year, especially um, when they get into the game with Michigan last game of the season. It, we could be looking at a very different Ohio State team, but really it's going to come down to one of those three teams, uh, and it, it could be that we have – A undefeated and a one-loss team from the Big Ten, both making it into the college football playoff. And I I tend to agree with you on the idea that it would be Penn State and Michigan right now. But on the flip side, you mentioned it, Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, they are meeting up this weekend, so I don't know if you want to just talk about the game. I lean Wisconsin, I think that – uh, we didn't know what Washington State was, but Washington State's a darn good team and losing, uh, you know, having to go out there and losing on the Palouse, I believe is what they call it. It's it's no easy, uh, no easy task um, to go up there and win a game first game of the season or maybe it was week two, actually. But either way, it was not like the bottom line is Wisconsin. um it's going to take a little bit of time under Fickle, and I think they're starting to figure it out. But I don't know. How do you see that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, Camp Randall, um, definitely a tough place to, to play a game. I think they get the, the jump around going. I think that's their little little theme song, kind of like a, a sandstorm at, at uh, williams Bryce Stadium in South Carolina. But, um, you know, I really do like this Wisconsin team. I really like uh, you know, this defense with you know, coached by – Luke Fickle, defensive-minded head coach. Um, they're only going to get better and better um, as the year progresses. And then Iowa. I mean, there's there's nothing that you can trust about their offense at this point. Um, you know, so I, I do have Camp Randall, um, you know, Wisconsin taking that game uh, by a decent margin um, on on Saturday. So um, definitely a game to look out for, even though it's two unranked teams. I've, I mean think that whoever you know ends up winning this game is going to have a shot um, you know, down the road at, at taking out um, taking out one of the top dogs on the other side of the the conference and, and you know making their bid for um, you know making it to the playoffs. That's going to be critical for them since they already have a loss to uh, you know, kind of win out if they have any shot of making the playoffs. So um, I'm I'll, I'll look into you know to Wisconsin to win that game and then. Yeah. Like you mentioned on the other side of the conference, you know, if I'm leaning one way, it, it's, it's Ohio state out. Um, but you, a, you have a scenario there where you're going to have potentially, um, you know, an 11 and, and one, you know, Penn state or Michigan team and undefeated, you know, Penn state or Michigan team. And so, um, you know, both those teams would be very deserving of, uh, you know, a berth in the, in the playoffs, depending on how things shake out, you know, amongst other conferences and, Who's undefeated elsewhere and that kind of thing. So, um, gotta gotta think that you know there's definitely another likelihood of, of you know, seeing two Big Ten teams again uh, in the college football playoffs.
0: Yeah, I do agree. I think right now they're probably have the most inside track to 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 have two teams in the playoff. Uh, It could be argued that it could be Texas and and Oklahoma as well are right there, especially if they match up again, Oklahoma undefeated, Texas one loss, but um, you look at other conferences and I mean, the SEC West already has a one loss team from everywhere and they don't have any undefeated teams. And now, you know, Georgia actually is the only undefeated team in the entire SEC, so maybe Bama can get through and gives Georgia their first loss. And then it's, you know, two, one loss teams once again, going to the playoff, but uh, there hasn't been a team in the SEC. And we'll get to there. That looks like entirely too impressive that we can trust them to just not lose any more games throughout the season, other than Georgia, I'd say. Um, But as we look towards the end of the season, Kyler, it does appear like it might be the similar situation to what it was last year where we have Ohio State and Michigan right there, except maybe it's Penn State as that other team um, this season that gets in. Uh, I will say, Iowa's schedule is one of the softest. So if they somehow can go into Camp Randall and win, it's very likely that they might be 11-1 and going into the Big Ten Championship. And, man, wouldn't it be something if Iowa with the offense they have somehow like play Michigan and it's similar to Michigan's TCU performance, where it's just in kind of an uncharacteristic um, mistake led game who, man, it would be insane to think that Iowa, Iowa makes the college football playoff, but I don't think it's, it's not impossible. And as I say, you look at, you look at their schedule and you're like, they could be 11 and one. And They have a defense that, like you just, you got to get some lucky breaks. You get a punt return, you get some other things. Who knows? They are, uh, yeah, they're good enough to be dangerous. I guess is the bottom line. Um, All right, let's move on. Though Uh, we we we're both in agreement, the the likelihood of insanity probably maybe the least of any of these conferences. Um, Maybe you look at the Big Twelve as being like one A one B. I think ACC. Insanity could hold out Pac-12. The next conference we're going to talk about definitely has the potential for insanity, just given the glut of incredible teams there. And then I think that the SEC has a, has a potential for some insanity too, but all right, let's, let's look at the Pac-12. Uh, I'm going to give you the insanity scenario. USC six and right now beats Washington, Oregon, and UCLA loses to Notre Dame and Utah, 10-2. Oregon beats Washington, Washington State, loses at Utah and USC, 10-2. Washington beats Utah and USC, loses to Washington State and Oregon, Ten and two. Although I'm realizing that I also that in this scenario I screwed up. So either USC actually or Washington would have to be uh, a ten and two and nine and three. That that is that game. So you can choose Washington to beat USC, and then USC goes nine and three. Washington's ten and two. Anyways, I digress. Washington State beats Washington, but loses at Oregon and Colorado. They go nine and three. Uh, But if they beat Colorado. Then they're 10 and two. I've got Colorado beating Washington state, but losing at UCLA, Oregon state and Utah. They go seven and five. Maybe they go six and six. It's going to be a heck of a backstretch for Colorado, Oregon state. They beat Colorado, but they lose at UCLA, Washington and Oregon eight and four UCLA beats Oregon state. Colorado loses at USC 10 and two Utah. Beats USC and Oregon, but loses at Washington 10-2. Now, I'll say, some of these scenarios less likely. I do think that Colorado is going to fade. And I don't know, I'm not as sold on Oregon State as I once was earlier in the season, but I I definitely think they could be in the mix. Uh, UCLA actually has a defense, Kyler. And so I think the maturation of their freshman quarterback, Brown, is going to be very critical to where their ceiling is Uh, makes a lot of great plays makes a lot of bad mistakes and I don't think they've truly trusted him yet they need to trust him uh, by the end of the season if they're actually going to be a legitimate contender Utah cam rising does he come back whenever he comes back if they only have one loss or even if they have two losses there's potential for them to get right back to where they were Washington State beating Washington um, but losing to Oregon and Colorado, uh, nine and three is not like out of the realm of possibility or beating Colorado, but losing to to Washington or splitting that Washington Oregon uh, matches. like all these teams, I think have potential to be really good. Uh, and the teams that are weak or at least have guys like Cam Ward at Washington State. And USC, a guy like Caleb Williams, we don't know where USC's defense is, but what we do know is that Caleb Williams is a magician out there pulling rabbits out of hats that you're like, listen, you can't sneak rabbits onto the field with your helmet. I know that that is physically impossible, but yet he just does it. I mean... And that's and so he can beat anybody on any given night. He just catches fire and and turns it on, and it really is it's game over. And so, yeah, I, while I don't think all the scenarios I laid out are definitely going to happen, I, d- I think that there might be a cannibalism in the Pac-12, and I think there might be absolute chaos. And the unfortunate thing is, it really is that we're not in a twelve-team scenario. Uh, because it could end up that once again, the PAC 12 is shut out. And that would be a travesty to college football everywhere. But as well, when you're playing tough game after tough game, after tough game, week after week, after week, they're all going to play each other and it's going to be hell to get through. And so I will say any team that probably if any team goes 12 and I think they're deserving of the number one seat, but um, I I put that on Washington and Oregon. They're going to meet this weekend that's exciting, but Kyler, I mean, do you agree? Do you think chaos is going to reign supreme in the Pac-12?
1: I, I think that the Pac-12, out of all the Power Five conferences, has the highest probability of chaos happening, um, just due to the talent, top to bottom um, or top to mid-bottom of the of the, of the conference, right? Um, so, but for me, you know, I you know, I think that the magician show of Caleb Williams, you know the it's tough to, you know, pull a rabbit out of your your, your rectum every single Saturday, you know. Um, there's got to be a point to where, you know, rabbit gets, you know, left behind and, and you know, you're, you kind of end up empty handed. So I do, I think that they'll drop a game at some point. Um, but whoever wins Washington and Oregon this weekend, um, that's obviously going to be everybody's front runner in, in the conference probably at that point. Um, I personally, I have the Oregon Ducks over over Washington. Um, I'm not sold on on Washington and and the hype train there. Uh, I, I think that they meet their maker. Um, I know it's a road game, tough environment there in Seattle, but um, you know, I'm the way that, that Dan Lanning has his team playing right now, and and, and you know, how motivated they are. Um, it's kind of special. I mean, it's kind of they feels like they have some of that same connection piece that you see from a dog's team. And so um, I think that that makes them very, very dangerous. They've got an experienced quarterback who is, battle tested and Bo Nix. And I think that he, he's gonna, you know, lead this team to, to victory. But, you know, with all that being said uh, he has a absolute gauntlet um, in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, you know, it, it's not, that unfathomable that he doesn't come come out unscathed and it's just unfortunate for for this conference in my opinion that uh the the playoffs are not expanded and you know i think that they you know could potentially beat themselves up i mean i think that they have to have at least a one loss team in order to make it um i don't i don't see a scenario where a two loss team um really makes the playoffs just due to the to the less likelihood of there being chaos in some of the other conferences and kind of some automatic, you know, bids, um, you know, with like the Big Ten and and SEC potentially with us and and you know, uh, Florida State or UNC running the table in the ACC. Um, so it's just unfortunate for for this comp for the Pac-12 in such a stacked year um, for them to where they're just gonna kind of uh, do a little bit of cannibalism um, over there and um you know not not have anybody make it i mean i think that they're the highest probability of not having a team make the playoffs um is the pac 12 just due to um the difficulty of the of the conference
0: yeah kyler i would love to see the pack 12 in their final season basically in existence at least in as we know it i mean there may be some sort of form that it takes on in the future but it's not going to be the way it is now and Uh, it would be a bummer because this is, uh, yeah, I do think that there is at least one of those teams that is worthy of a, of a playoff bid. And it also, you know, it's maybe going to test on some level strength of schedule and uh, things of that nature and kind of how close maybe the playoff committee is paying attention because I could see a scenario where there's like a one loss ACC team that gets Uh, vaulted by a two-loss Pac-12 team just due to the fact that the ACC team really didn't play anybody. But um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now, one thing I'll mention about Washington and Oregon, because I agree with you, I think those are the teams with the inside track. Those are the most complete teams. I actually see it um, the opposite. I really do think that Washington gets the win this weekend. I think that Uh, yeah, they just got that home mojo going for them. And I think it's going to work to their advantage in a really close game. I think Michael Penix really is that quarterback. And while they have a difficult schedule, Washington finishes out with Arizona State, Stanford on the road. Then they have to go to USC. But as we said, USC, their defense, they play Utah at home. Now, I have to imagine by November 11th, Cam Rising likely will be back. Uh, But then after that, go on the road to Oregon State, not an easy game, and then at home against Washington State. So their last four games are against ranked opponents currently. I will say of the ranked teams, and I think Utah with the cam rising is the most difficult, but I think USC, Oregon, and Oregon State and Washington State are all pretty winnable games. You flip that on the flip side and – You know, Oregon has to go to Washington, then go on the road to Washington State at Utah. And that might be the game that Cam Rising returns for. Uh, They get Cal, then versus USC at Arizona State and versus Oregon State. So I don't know. I think that overall, this schedule is a little bit more difficult for Oregon just in the fact that they have to follow up this really tough game in Washington with Washington State and then have to go immediately on the road to Utah. That three-game stretch is more difficult than you know this really tough game against Oregon, then Washington gets Arizona State, Stanford, and then they gear up and USC um, on the road, but then they get Utah at home, the, probably the most difficult game in there. Washington State, I think maybe the second-best team in that group, they get them at home. So yes, it's not going to be easy to navigate, but I do think that Washington has a better shot of going undefeated. Uh, but that's just that's just my take. Um let's move on though, Kyler. Let's talk the SEC. It's our conference. It's a conference we we know near and dear, and here's the chaos, the chaos theory, Kyler. All right, we start with our team, Georgia. We beat Oldness Miss in Florida, but we lose to Missouri and Tennessee, 10-2. and two. I think this might be a little bit of imagination, land, but hey. Uh, Kentucky beats Bama in Mizzou, loses to Tennessee and Louisville, 9-3. Florida beats LSU, Florida State, and Mizzou, loses to Georgia, 9-3. Missouri beats Georgia, loses to Tennessee and Florida, 9-3. Tennessee beats Kentucky, Missouri, Georgia, loses to Bama, 10 and two. Alabama beats Tennessee and Kentucky, but loses to LSU, 10 and two. Old Miss beats Texas A&M, loses at Georgia, 10 and two. LSU beats Texas A&M, Bama loses versus Florida, they go nine and three. You could flip that Florida game and maybe LSU goes 10 and two. Then Texas A&M loses at LSU, Tennessee and Old Miss, They go seven and five Jimbo gets fired and Auburn who also is technically three and two, because I'm using all just two lost teams. As I stated before, loses to LSU old miss in Alabama. They go seven and five. All right. Uh, I just want to say kind of a preface that I do think some of these teams might beat up on each other. I don't see Georgia losing two games, especially if we play the way we did on Saturday night and as well, Right now, Alabama really does have the inside track, or at least that it's going to come down to an Alabama LSU uh, matchup as to who goes um, to the as to who goes to Atlanta. But I'll say LSU has looked very shaky, and quite frankly, I give Kentucky and Tennessee at this point maybe a better shot of beating Bama than LSU, but. Kind of like Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels has been electric uh, for that team, and just who knows, who knows. But all right, what's the what's the likelihood of a crazy scenario happening in the SEC, and you know we shut ourselves out of making a playoff for I believe the first time in the history of the college football playoff?
1: Yeah, I mean I don't see much uh, much chaos on our side of the bracket. Um yeah, potentially a pitfall there with uh, a road game in Knoxville uh, could, could give us some trouble. Um, but, you know, I, I think all the chaos that's going to happen um, will be in the western side of the conference. And I think it's pretty high likelihood that there is drama, there is chaos um, on that side. I mean, you know, I don't fully trust uh, Alabama's offense to – necessarily run up against anybody um i mean we've seen them down the stretch have really tough games and lose to uh, you know lsu team last year that you know it was a good team but um you know it, it was a team that you think that a bryce young led uh you know team would be able to absolutely um trample and just didn't didn't go that way and i see bama kind of play into the level of their competition, you know, week in week out with some of these uh, opponents. And so, um, you know, it'll be tough for them to hang on to that, that top spot in in the West. Um, And, you know, there, there's, there's other good teams, you know, LSU is, is good offense Um, should be able to score on, on Bama um, Ole Miss. Uh, You know, don't see them necessarily, you know, um, beating us. They'll have another loss but they're a team that's a threat to, to be a spoiler um, for uh, the rest of their conference, um, their division. So, um, but I do, I do see it being, you know, Georgia versus, I'm going to say Alabama, um, but I think that you could interchange, um, you know, LSU potentially in there again, I think that they have um, a good chance of, of making it too. I think it's, you know, pretty even between those two. I think the winner of that game probably ends up being, you know, who our opponent is, um, out of the West. But um, you know, say that they, you know, whoever does come out on top over there beats us in a SEC championship game. Um, does that undefeated Georgia team do they do they make it to the to the playoffs? That's that's uh, you know, the kind of the big question I have there. But Um, What are your thoughts? I mean, do you think, you know, and then that scenario specifically that uh, one loss SEC championship loss makes it like we did in 2020?
0: I mean, I, it's hard to say without knowing what every other scenario is, because I think that I I guess, yeah, my my first inclination is yes, because I think that there is going to be enough chaos and this was kind of the whole point of this segment was to say, hey, it's not that far from thinking. And is there really any team that you can trust beyond a shadow of a doubt? Like they're just going to dominate everyone. Even Georgia, for that matter, as she said, like that game at Tennessee is going to be tricky. And Missouri at home is, could be an interesting game. Luther Burden is a, is a problem. Missouri's got a pretty good offense. Uh, and especially we've been, I feel like, susceptible to the pass on some level. Uh, and you look at that Kentucky situation, you know, Connor Cook is going to make those throws. So might be in a game there, Old Miss, um, Jackson Dart is a, is a solid quarterback. So and, – and listen, Florida has, has shown flashes. So to say that Georgia is, oh, we're just going to coast, it's not – I don't have – and I don't think any of the fan base – and anybody outside the fan base has that feeling. Now, the feeling is I feel pretty strong that, that we're going to go 12 and 0 and I feel pretty good to say that I think we're going to go 12 and 0 but but who knows. So, um so I say that to say that yes, like in that scenario we we would have had, you know, cleared our hurdles and won those games. I think in some level, it matters what the other teams do. If Tennessee really fades and doesn't do much, if Ole Miss fades, it doesn't do much. Missouri um, and Florida, our schedule is not going to be very good. I-, I think we need to hope that at least one or two of those teams continues playing well and we beat a good team, and we got to hope also that Kentucky is a um is a top 25 team i think as as far as the season goes because that's going to work against us uh if we are coming if there is like a neck and neck type of scenario between a few teams um and then and then on top of it yeah i think it comes down to what everybody else has done so obviously if we're between us and another one lost team that yeah that's going to be interesting if it's a one loss ACC team how did they lose who did they lose to um well I don't think that this would be a game changer for us I also think that this year might actually be one of these seasons where somebody gets screwed because they played in a championship game and another team was able to sit at home and not worry about the championship, and they get in above what other team loses in their championship game. And so I think – I truly believe if we have a year where that happens, it's this year. I don't think it would be Georgia, but I also think given our softer schedule, it's not out of the realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you definitely have to know more about, you know, what's happening in other conferences to truly make that call. But, I mean – I like you mentioned uh, a team that's sitting at home with the ability to uh, to make it to the to the playoffs is gonna exist big time in the big ten I think that's where you're really gonna see that amongst the three teams whoever's over there uh, right in the pond that could be you know uh, they could be that team that you know steps in there gets gets a playoff bird like Obama has done in the past um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, this is this is a you know probably one of the more interesting seasons in college football with you know the amount of teams that that can beat one another. So it's just you know plug in every weekend. Um, it's it's I mean, there's gonna be you know chaos that, that we haven't even predicted here that you know we never even you know remotely sniffed out, and that that's the beauty of college football. You know, it, it is so unpredictable, and um, anything can happen, and that's a, You know, especially true this year. So uh, I'm excited to see how, you know, the second half of the season unfolds.
0: You and me both, KC. you and me both. I think that I do think there is going to be some chaos. I think there's going to be some, somebody that gets into the playoff that we're not expecting to be there. And I think that there is a team that is, you know, maybe a perennial team like an Ohio state who maybe ends up being shockingly short of, of reaching that goal. But, As we say, we got to see as the, as, as the, as the college football world turns. All right. Now I know we talked about some of the big matchups for the weekend mentioned Oregon and Washington as well as Iowa and Wisconsin, but there's some other big matchups this weekend. Kyler, we've got Texas A&M going on the road to visit Tennessee, Auburn going to LSU USC going to Notre Dame and Miami going to UNC, which I know we we touched on maybe a little bit. Missouri going to Kentucky, UCLA going to Oregon State, and NC State going to Duke. Feel like all these games have have potential to be to be interesting interesting matchups. Those are the ones that I've kind of circled, uh, as well as. I think that Arkansas and Alabama actually could be could be a fascinating game. I know that, you know, as KJ Jefferson, I mean, he he's a player. Uh and I, and I feel like Arkansas has has had a few quite a few relatively close losses. Um it's it's not looking great for them, but I mean, you look at it. They lost by 3 at LSU, lost by 7 at home to BYU, probably the worst loss of the year. Maybe you could argue the Texas A&M loss in Jerry World, 34-22. And then, you know, this past weekend lost at Ole Miss, 27-20. So, yeah, I mean, you look at that schedule and you're – yes, you look at them and you're like, you're 2-4. and That's kind of terrible. But then you actually look at the scores and I don't know. It could be a fascinating game. Uh, But, uh, yeah, from these games, are there there any that pop off the page for you? Are there any others that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, Missouri Kentucky pops off of the page at me. You know, both teams, um, you know, ha- having one loss is going to be you know, a huge game with both those um, squads. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if Kentucky, uh, you know, can get back to their ways, that, you know, kind of before they played us. I think that the potential is there. Um, Kroger Field going to be electric um, for that game. So um, I do lean Kentucky on this one, even though, you know, I, I do have to give praise to you know, this wide receiver trio um, over there at, uh, over at Missouri, um, you yeah, know, the Brady Cook and, um, yeah, Theo Weese, the, the Oklahoma transfer, obviously Luther Burden. Um, I think it's Mookie Cooper's the, the slot guy there or the, the other wide receiver who's, who's played really well this season. So, um, you know, they could give them fits um, in the passing game as well, but it's going to be tough with the, that home crowd to, do everything that Georgia did against the, the Kentucky defense. But um so that, that one kind of sticks out to me. Um, you know, I want to see how Auburn bounces back from their loss against us. Did, did they become a better team by playing us? I, I think that they did. I think that we have a, a good game on our hands and in, in, in Death Valley. Um so I'm excited about that one. Um, you know, AM Tennessee. I mean, I I kind of want Tennessee to win this game. Just said so that our game with them is more important, but um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, and it's, it's tough to um, for me to even predict that one because I think that A&M's not bad. I mean, they were right there in the thick of it with Alabama last week. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely a, a great game to keep an eye on. Um, Duke, NC State, what I'm really looking for there is, you know, what's going on with this backup quarterback situation with, with Duke and, and, you know, will that player be... You know, good enough to build this team to to more victories this season, or is it you know the win completely out of the sails there at, at Duke? Um, yet to be seen, but uh, you know, that that's kind of what I'm looking for there. Um, in Miami at UNC, um, after the the blunder by Cristobal last week, are they able to uh, answer the bell and 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 get a W from a really good UNC team? I personally, I don't think so. I think that UNC is much improved, and I think that they they win this game, um, at home. So that'll be a huge win for, for them moving forward. Um, USC, Notre Dame, um, you yeah, know, USC's on the road going to South Bend, tough, tough environment. Um, you know, that Notre Dame has to have that, that taste of blood in their mouth after, after their loss last week, um, against Louisville. So, uh, I think that's going to be a fantastic game, but I, I do see the magician, you know, Actually packing the rabbit, bringing it to South Bend, and, and, and pulling one um, out in the late late uh, late minutes of this game. I think it's going to be a very close and good one. But we're going to see a spectacular performance from from Caleb Williams again. Um, UCLA and Oregon State. Um, I I cannot wait for this game. I, I'm a little bit more sold on on Oregon State. Uh, I think than you might be, but um, you know UCLA. You know got a freshman quarterback. Um, it's going to be a tough environment to play um, there in Corvallis. So i um, yeah. giving the nod to DJU and the, and the Beavers this weekend in that game, but it should be, should be a lot of games that, um, you know, are going to be great to watch and um, you know, not, not as crazy stacked as last week, but still just, you know, this is college football. Like we mentioned uh, in the insanity, chaos uh, segment uh, that anything can happen. So uh, I'll, I'll be glued in, Um you know, on, on Saturday, seeing what happens in these games.
0: Yeah, Kyler, you and me both, I think that there's going to be at least one crazy upset, something something wild that happens. I really think the Missouri-Kentucky game, that game fascinates me a lot. I do think Duke-NC State, because we're going to see Duke without, without their QB, and it's like how much can their defense carry them? Uh, NC State switched over to MJ Morris. It'll be fascinating. I think that they get it at home, but uh, we're going to see how far this Duke team has has come. I think, and how deep they are. Obviously, on Saturday night, Um, of course, you mentioned Notre Dame, USC. I tend to think Notre Dame might pull this one out. I don't know. I just I think that they're going to be playing with nothing to lose, and they have a defense that might be able to slow down Caleb Williams and. I just don't think USC can stop anything. So it doesn't really matter what your offense is. USC's, you're going to put points on USC. And so I think Notre Dame might might win that one. And I feel like the Auburn-LSU game would be more fascinating if it weren't in Death Valley and it were in, in on the Plains instead. But being in Death Valley, I do tend to, to favor L, um, LSU. I think the other game that could be kind of fascinating: Washington State, Arizona. Arizona, other than Arkansas that I mentioned, I feel like is the is the most underrated team. I feel like they've played a lot of teams pretty close to this point, and they're, they're an upset is brewing for Arizona. Uh, you kind of look at it; they lost to Mississippi State on the road, and yeah, Mississippi State is not a great team, but Arizona is a young team having to go to Starkville. Hear all the, you know, the clanking and the clamoring of the cowbells is not easy. Uh, they lost to Washington 31-24. And then obviously we know they lost to USC in like triple overtime on the road. They got Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado, and Utah. Those are their next games. One of the toughest schedules in the country, if not the toughest schedule. Like they didn't avoid anyone. Uh, when it comes to the Pac-12 juggernauts. But that also, I feel like, gives a lot of opportunities to possibly pick one of them off. And I, I don't know. I think that Arizona is is kind of building their program back, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams gets upset. It might be this weekend. Um, let's go over our betting six-pack. Kyler, it wasn't good last week. I'm just going to be real with you. It wasn't good. Uh, We pushed the Maryland-Ohio State game. We we said it was plus 20. That's where we saw it. Uh, Kansas State, we bet minus 12. I'm still flabbergasted that they lost to Oklahoma State the way they did. Uh, But, yeah, very wrong in that. Rutgers, plus 14 at Wisconsin. We actually picked up a win in that one. Texas State at Louisiana, heartbreaking. Louisiana scored with about a minute left to knock off Texas State. Missouri, Plus six and a half versus LSU. I mean, LSU picked off Missouri with about like two minutes left to put to turn a three point game into a 10 point game. And then uh, the other kind of bad loss for us Clemson, Wake Forest, Wake Forest showed up. Clemson did not. Uh, Clemson still won, but it was not a 21 point spread. All right. This week we're going UNC at home minus three and a half. We're going BYU plus five. We're just not feeling TCU. Mentioned it that we both taken Wisconsin and we're taking the minus 10. Iowa's offense cannot be trusted. And we saw the last time they played a really good team uh, in Penn State. And no, Wisconsin's not Penn State, but I think that they are not, it's they're they're closer to Penn State than they are to Iowa. So I wouldn't I would believe it could be 21, 28, nothing maybe. Oregon State we're taking minus 4 UCLA UCLA's got a great defense but I think that freshman quarterback going on the road taking on a you know a more uh, veteran laden Oregon State team that's going to be difficult I don't I think UCLA is a good team I don't think they're quite there yet but I will say it does feel like uh, Chip Kelly's starting to get it get it going there, and if he can, you know, continue to move things along, I think UCLA is a team that I would asterisk asterisk star 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 for next year in the Big Ten. Like they're gonna make some noise. Make no mistake, if they can keep this team together, uh, because that quarterback has all the tools to to really get there. Um, Next, Illinois at Maryland. We're taking Maryland minus 14 because we do not believe in the Illini and we just kind of believe in Maryland. And finally, uh, we played it last week. It didn't work out, but we think Kansas is a better team than Kansas State. Uh, Hopefully, they can represent the state of Kansas better, minus 3.5 at Oklahoma State. Who knows? Maybe we're just underrating Oklahoma State. We certainly won't do it if they burn us two times in a row. Kyler, any additional thoughts on these bets?
1: Yeah, I mean, just a quick note on, on last week. I mean, we got absolutely, you know, handed to us. A lot of, you know, granted, a lot of backdoor, backpage, butt-busting, just, you know, terrible losses at the at the very end of these games. Um, you know, tough, tough to see, you know, Kansas State really just, you know, play out of character. Um, but – I just I really feel like la- last week I wasn't giving enough. We weren't giving enough credit to, um, to the atmospheres that college football provides for home teams and, and the, the kind of advantage that you know th- those present for for teams. But you know this week you know I, I, you know we only selected two um, away teams and th- that's because we were very much not believers in, in who they were playing. That's, that's Kansas um, over over Oklahoma state. Um, And and for me, even more so, um, you know, I say it's because I'm not a believer in Oklahoma state. i really do think it was a blip on the radar against Kansas state for whatever reason. But um, you know, I, I I think that Kansas is a good team. I mean, they showed up played well offensively last week. Um, You know, I I don't think that they're going to get Jalen Daniels back just yet. Uh, I think he's doubtful for this game, but I, I still think that the offense can roll. Um, you know, the backup quarterback, Jason Bean, he's, you know, had multiple weeks under the helm. And so, um, I, you know, I think that he's going to be able to move that offense effectively against, uh, against Oklahoma state uh, BYU uh, going against TCU, definitely not, um, not sold on this BYU on this TCU team. Uh, I do think that BYU is a better team than, than what they've been given credit for, um, you know, going to, to beat a team like Arkansas and, Um, I think their only loss is to Texas, and so um, I think that they're a good squad. So, yeah, covering five points, I don't don't think it's going to be too tall of a task for them. Um, Miami and UNC. uh, We've spoken at length about you know how big of a fan that we are of of this UNC. I wouldn't say fan, but an uh, appreciator of of how much their team has improved this year. Um, I think they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They've got uh, good receivers, uh, much improved rushing defense. So I, I have them winning this by more than three and a half at home. Um, you know, Camp Randall uh, minus 10 uh, against Iowa. We're, we're choosing Wisconsin here. Um, it, this is where that Camp Randall atmosphere uh, really shines through. And they're able to have a confident win against a team that's pretty anemic on the offensive side of the ball. Um Oregon State, like you mentioned, um, Corvallis on the road, going to be tough, going to be a tough out there for um, Dante Moore as the, you know, freshman quarterback. So um, on the other side of that, you have, uh, you know, very experienced uh, DJ Uyangalele. So um, I think that they cover four um, in Corvallis on on Saturday. Um, And then, yeah, um, picking Maryland, um, minus 14, is one hundred percent for me, just how donkey the the Illini and Brett Bielema are this year. Um, you know, a little bit of credit needs to be given to Tua and and, and what he's able to do, but um, you know he, he threw some pretty inopportune pick sixes last week that that really could have could have helped out um, you know his squad kept it a little bit closer with Ohio State, but but yeah, um, you yeah, that's, that's those are the games that we have. Um, it was honestly pretty tough to. To pick some of these games just because some of those those home spreads are a little bit larger and, you know, they're teetering on, on that cusp. But, the you know, ultimately for those home teams that, you know, the environment that college football provides for home teams is, is kind of what rang through, um, you know, for for each of those teams.
0: Yeah, Kyler, I I think you're right. Home cooking certainly matters, and in the games, you know, we did pick BYU, we picked Kansas, or as our two road games. And I think the other thing that's a factor, and a factor in the home games as well, is the quarterback play. And yeah, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Tua's little bro throwing some some ill-timed picks, but as well, I don't think Illinois has a, a better quarterback, so. Really, when you take a look at that quarterback battle, I give the edge to Maryland. UCLA at Oregon State, I think if we're talking about futures, as I've said, I'm really sold on on UCLA's quarterback, but I think DJU right now is the more complete quarterback, and certainly I think right now gives his team a better chance to win. And so for that reason, it's got to be Oregon State, um, as I say, it's like a... Fifth year senior, though, versus a true freshman, there's obviously you're supposed to have a difference there, I think. Um, and especially, I mean, DJU is was a five-star recruit. So you think about two five-star recruits, one guy with five years of experience. Yeah, probably the guy with five years of experience should be have the advantage. Of course, Wisconsin, I mean, anybody has an advantage who feels like a quarterback over Iowa. BYU, uh, Chandler Morris is out with a knee injury, so I do give the the edge in quarterback play to BYU and UNC, Drake May versus Tyler Van Dyke, two good quarterbacks, although Van Dyke did not play well last week, uh, and and I think even if he is coming in on fire, you kind of got to give it to, to Drake May. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks outside of Caleb Williams, and Yes, Kansas has their backup quarterback, Jason Bean, or at least Jaden Daniels isn't. Jalen Daniels isn't uh, fully cleared, I don't think, but uh, I still feel like Kansas is is showing something more uh, from the quarterback position than Oklahoma State. Now, um, maybe Oklahoma State figured it out last week, and they're going to continue rolling, as I say. But yeah, I think so. It's home, and then the other thing is just quarterback play. Uh, and when you look at it, there isn't any defense in this in this lineup that also says, well, their defense is so good uh, that, that you kind of got to, you know, negate any sort of other factor. So with all things not equal, but all things, nothing standing out, it's got to be the quarterback play typically and in home field that that are two deciding factors in college football. I mean, you made mention of it uh, with Oklahoma State's win last week. Maybe this is a problem, as I say, Um, that that might be the one game we go back and regret on. If I had to say there's like one of the six games that I'm less confident about, it's probably that Kansas game just because Oklahoma State showed up last week. But all right, uh, I'm still confident Bet them all and and come away a winner, Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, don't look at our track record. Just, just go with this week. Uh, we're still, we're a little under 500. I feel like we're going to get back to 500 though this week. Uh, Some of these picks feel, feel confident. All right. Um, Kyler, let's talk the dogs. Uh, we move on. It is our seventh game of the season and we go to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Commodores are maybe the worst team in the SEC and by maybe I mean I don't think there's any doubt about it they are the worst team in the SEC Uh, it felt like maybe Clark Lee had turned the corner and maybe they weren't going to be the worst team in the SEC this year or at least be a little bit more competitive but it really hasn't panned out that way and it doesn't feel like this game is going to be any different I know that These noon kickoffs sometimes can be weird in Nashville, but 11 a.m. actually local time. But I feel like this team got on the right foot last week. And I don't know, I I have this confident feeling that we're just like we hit our stride last week and we're not going to stumble. We're just going to continue ramping up that stride, you know, and and we're going to see us right in stride. Um, from the from the moment we kicked the ball off on on Saturday. But I don't know. I mean, do, do you think that Vanderbilt poses any sort of threat? And if they are going to pose a threat, how would it come? Is it going to be from the defensive side of the ball? Do you think that they might be able to exploit something on the offense? I mean, give me something, Kyler. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've got, got you here, man. Um, but, yeah, no, they're not going to pose any sort of threat. Um, but I will say that um, they, they've recently – few games ago i think it was during the kentucky game made the switch over from from a.j swan to ken seals um pretty noticeable difference at quarterback and in, in their offensive production with uh with ken seals um uh, you know running the show there at quarterback um they do have a really good uh wide receiver will shepherd he's already got eight touchdowns on the year um seems to have a really good connection with seals as well um Jaden mcgowan's another good player um you know uh, that's a wide receiver. So, you know, there's an opportunity there for um, our, our defensive backs to get better this game um, and and get challenged a little bit. But, you know, I, I do see that Vanderbilt's, um, you know, defense is absolutely Swiss cheese, just just really big holes um, all, all around that cheese. So, um, yeah, just with that, you know, it's going to be tough for for us not to put up a ton of points on them. Um I know that I had you know, thought earlier in the week that there was uh, going to be inclement weather um, there in Nashville, but you had you know, quickly proven me wrong. But I, I swore I saw, you know, like uh, an interview with Carson Beck, you know, uh, and the reporter saying, "You know, how are you going to handle the the rain and cold weather uh, up in um, up in Nashville?" And you know, hit, you know Carson's was, response was, "Yeah, I mean, we're going to you know, play with wet balls during practice and." You know, I played high school football in Florida and it pretty much poured raining every single game. So, you know, he's, he's used to playing um, in the weather, but it's looking like that's not going to be a factor. In it. And if and if weather's not, um, you know, kind of crazy, I think I think we kind of run it up a good bit on, on Vanderbilt. Um, that, that tends to happen, not because we're trying to run it up, but just because, you know, of all, all the holes in that Swiss cheese defense.
0: Yeah, you look at their losses this year, Kyler, and I'll say this. It's 38-14 their last game to Florida. That was on the road, tough, but I don't think Florida is known to be this season as some sort of offensive juggernaut. Uh, Only scored 14 points against Kentucky, 22 against Charlotte, 29 in a win against uh, Tennessee. They scored 11 in a loss at, at Utah and, hey, got 49 against a um, McNeese State, so give it up for that. But um, the bottom line is, you're not seeing. Yeah, the, I mean, I think that everybody knows Missouri's got a good offense. They lost to uh, um, they they put up 38 on Vandy, uh, but UTEP, who only were able to muster seven points against Michigan, uh, were able to put up you know 40, 40 points against, against Vanderbilt. So in the end, um, Vanderbilt has, has allowed basically everyone who they've played to score on them with the exception of Alabama A&M, who they only allowed 13 points on. But Hawaii even got uh, 28 points. And I don't think Hawaii' some sort of uh, some sort of incredible offensive force. Uh, in fact, you know, it's other than the Albany game, it's their watermark, uh, the 20, 28 points. Uh, and then Albany, they scored 31 points, but um, haven't broken 24 in any other game. So I, I say that to say, it's really, to your point, it's really hard to see us not running up the score, not being able to, um, not being able to score points. And then on the flip side while Vandy might have figured it out on some level, you just have to feel like we are going to manhandle them up front. And this is a team that we really should be able to exert our dominance, um, especially on the line. And I feel like get them out of rhythm, get them into, uh, and and the bottom line is if we're scoring a lot, we're also going to force them into kind of playing one-dimensional football. That is not, I don't think, their strength I think they want to have their full playbook and it's not really anyone's strength but maybe there are a few teams who who rely on the pass more who maybe it's a um, it's a better outcome or they have a better opportunity of coming back this just feels like a perfect storm of bad for Vanderbilt honestly and yeah I I don't know I mean 31 and a half points is what I'm seeing the line at right now but quite frankly I, I can't see us not covering that right now I mean I can just given certain games that's a lot of points but Kyler I have it like 52-7 right now I think I I just think that we're going to be rolling I think that we really really want to want to start off the you know start on the right foot um, after we played such a dominant game last week and I don't know. I just expect the offense to continue rolling, but I, I, what do you see? Do you see it any differently? And um, and what would you like to see out of Georgia? Is there any particular thing, any weakness that we've had to this point that you're like, this is one thing that I want to see improvement.
1: Yeah. I mean, for the, for the score prediction, I, I was right there with you. 55 seven is what I had in mind um, You know, before um, we hopped on to to record this, but um, yeah, it looks, sounds like we we, ha- we see a pretty similar outcome um, in this game. Uh, but for me, yeah, you know, two things I want to see is uh, you know getting out to a fast start. You know, we did it last week, first time we've done it all year, really. So I want to see us kind of build upon the success we had last week with, with getting a quick start. And then, yeah, I, I want to see our our, our uh, defensive backs get challenged. Um, you know, especially a guy like Dalen Everett, a guy that's you know kind of kind of new to the starting role uh, with our defense and. Um, you know, have them kind of attack him and, and get him better this game um, is what I really, really want to see. But, I mean, I just don't – they haven't really, really had success running the ball this year. So, I'm not really looking to, you know, for us to prove anything down there in the trenches. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this is a great game. We've mentioned it before about, you know, creating depth for um, our team. And so, hopefully, um, you know, we get a lot of young guys in um, early and often. Um, Cause I, I mean, I do think this hand, this game will be out of hand um, be- before the first half is over. And so we'll, we'll get that opportunity to see, you know, a lot of guys that haven't gotten a ton of reps so far this year.
0: I think you're right. I think if anything can come from this game, it's, it's gaining that depth and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great point. I think I mentioned it earlier in the episode that, yeah, we need to see us get deeper. I think that's one thing that is a difference between previous years is We're just not quite as deep, but the potential is there. We're just as talented and, you know, our roster continues to be one of the most talented in the country. So to be like, well, you know, we're not Mark Stoops asking to get more players through the NIL. Like we've got all the guys that can do it. We just, it's just taking those reps. And the bottom line is we've, we've had pretty, senior laden teams recently. And I don't mean that as in like the position, but just more seniority laden teams might be a better way of saying it. So I also think folding guys in, it was easier, guys could kind of come up. There is a little bit more of like, hey, now you gotta kind of step up. And I think some guys um maybe haven't risen to that occasion quite as much, but Uh, this is going to be our opportunity. This is going to have that. that We're going to have that opportunity, hopefully on Saturday to really give them, give them a chance to, to show what they're, they're about because we're going to need them. We're going to need them when it comes game 14, game 15. And inevitably you have players that get hurt. inevitably you have just attrition through various different ways. And you got to battle through, I mean, the season is a marathon and, um, yeah you got to build that you got to build that depth you got to build that you know build it up kind of like if you're training for a marathon you know you you slowly build yourself up but by the end you know it's mile by mile and looking at each guy is like kind of like building up your lung capacity it's like georgia has to build up our own kind of collective lung capacity if you will and that happens through through adding bodies that can play effectively and that we know we can put out there in situations And we can trust because so much of Kirby isn't trust. I mean, if you can't block, you're not going to be out there when, when the game's on the line or even in situations when it's the third quarter and it's, you know, he'll stick to a shorter, a shorter lineup if that's what it takes. Um, So, so it's just, it's that trust. We got to gain that trust.
1: Yeah. I I think that that's a big piece of it. Um, You know, and we might not see them consistently until really the, the playoffs. I know that I've seen Kirby a lot of times, um, He'll actually, you know, kind of switch some things up, uh, whether it be the SEC championship or or in the playoffs. Um, You know, I remember, like, I think it was Lewis Sign maybe and uh, Anazizo Jolari might have gotten their first snaps, um, you know, in the SEC championship, right? And so, like, you know, those guys kind of earned the trust, you know, over the season and kind of garbage time and then were able to, um, you know, when it was prep time for either the SEC championship or a bowl game, um, they got these other players ready to go, um, you know, for for these bigger games. And so um, I think that we do see, um, you know, some of that, you, know, you know, some of these younger guys, you know, earn that trust in this game and, and hopefully get into the rotation you know, when the season really counts. And, and we've got some um, you know, big games on our schedule.
0: Exactly, Kyler. Uh, Our schedule is very backloaded. You look at Ole Miss, Tennessee, those are some of the last games of the season. And so it it really does, as we've talked about, the schedule setting up for a lot of ways well for Georgia, it really sets up well for us to build that depth, hopefully get some more tests. And there's going to be some tests before then. Missouri poses a threat, but maybe we can get a lead against them and get some younger guys. Florida, I think – Quite possibly could be a great time that we can get some depth to. And uh, and then we're going to get into it with with Ole Miss and Tennessee, probably our toughest two-game schedule. And it would be really nice to have a few more guys that we can trust and rely on by that time. But there's time there to, to get there. So, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting, another exciting game. And hopefully, you know, we get our game out of the way, we dominate, and then you get ready for just another day, a great football Especially the night, a very night-loaded um, slate this week. But all right, any final thoughts, Kyler, before we sign off for this week?
1: No, man, just you know, excited. Uh, um, you know, tee it up again, uh, get these guys uh, playing football another Saturday. Um, you know, it shouldn't be as eventful as uh, you know the the anticipation of you know, uh, the last two weeks with Auburn and and uh, and the Kentucky team, but. Um, nonetheless, it's another SEC opponent, another you know chance to uh, strap it up and and and, and go in. So uh, I'm excited to see what we can do. I'm excited to you know, see the the next level of progression for for Carson Beck, who seems to get better and better every week. Um, so yeah, I'm pumped, man. Um, be be ready to to root the dogs to victory, man.
0: And I'm excited. I, I feel like every every week, um, you know, with Carson Beck's maturation, it also comes the maturation of our wide receivers. We saw Robert Thomas with maybe the play of the season, uh, at least to this point, with high pointing that ball uh, in the back of the end zone against maybe front of the end zone. Better way of putting it against Kentucky. But I, I'm also excited. I think that we're going to see an incredible play from. Maybe it'll be Ra Ra again. Maybe Dominic Lovett shows a, a flash of his greatness. Maybe it's um, maybe it's one of our other guys who hasn't really done much this season, like Alad McConkey, partially because of injury, or as we all know, the guy who's number one in each and every one of our hearts, Brock Bowers. Maybe he's just out there doing something, hurdling like three guys at once. I I don't know, but I do think that uh, this offense gets more dynamic by the week, and so. I think that we're going to see some exciting plays, uh, even if the game isn't the most exciting from start to finish. All right. Well, for Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been The Dogs on Top, even on Bottom Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore, D-O-T-E-O-B. Also, click like, click subscribe, tell your friends. Check us out. Any podcast, anywhere that you get podcasts, you can get this one. And you know what? It's totally free. All you got to do is just tune in, and we give you the goods on the dogs and college football. What more could you want? I don't want anything more. Anyways, all right. As we always finish, go dogs. Go
1: dogs.